He's Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Jeff, and I am so glad you're here today. Take your Bibles out. Find the writings of the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians. Are you glad to be in God's house? Yes. All right. It's a good day, amen? It's a good day. It's a good day. I want to start a brand new series today. I don't know how long it'll go. I stopped lying a long time ago. I would say four weeks and it would go six or one. So I entitled it, Here Comes the Bride. My goal is to speak to the church, not at the church, not about the church, I want to speak to the church, the bride of Christ, amen. We, 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 could, we could go to the, to the end and work our way back and talk about that Jesus is coming after a spotless bride. I want to start a little, little before that, so that you and I are ready when the sky splits and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords calls us home, amen. I'm glad I'm ready to go. My daddy said I'm ready to go, but I ain't getting a load today. He knew he had work to do, and I believe so do we. Amen. So for the next few weeks, we are going to the Bible first, and then to current experiences. We're going to talk culturally for a bit. We're going to talk about expressions that deal with the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible's got a lot to say about the church. Somewhere along the way, however, the local church has went from trying to be relevant to being trendy. I'll let that rest there for a sec. <clears throat> and so if I... I, I I, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to. Um, <clears throat> if there was a disclaimer, the disclaimer is this, and you need to hear this because it is my heart. I don't for one moment think that I've got it right and everybody else is wrong. I've, I've messed it up more than I've got it right. But I want to go to the source so that all of us from this point on can get it right. Amen. Amen. See, somewhere along the way, the local, the local church in an attempt to be relevant has, as I said, became trendy and honestly has lost its appeal. Um, it, it, what I see and what you see, with, whether you're, you know it or not, is that emphasis is placed on the big church and it should be but very little emphasis is placed upon the local body. 
it's almost as if it doesn't matter. And, and I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to argue. You can, you can totally, totally disagree with me. We can, we can still, you can still buy my lunch. I'm, I, I'm not here to wrestle you to the ground. I'm not trying to use the Bible or the verses therein as a weapon. This is not my heart. My heart is either God cares about the local body of Christ or Paul wasted a ton of time. going around planting a church here and there and there and there and there and there. And he even wrote letters to the churches that were in those little... Are you with me so far? Here comes the bride. There's something about a bride in a wedding. I've done... I don't even know how many weddings I've done. Uh, And without fail, when I'm standing, if it's a traditional wedding, and I'm standing with the groom on the stage or wherever it is, and the bride begins to come, I've yet to see a young man frown. (laughs) I've yet to see a young man lean towards me and say, she chose that, Jess? I don't know if I'd have chose that or not. It's not accentuating her features like I hoped it would. No, no, what normally happens is when the guy says, I ain't going to cry, well, he does that first. And then he smiles because he's ready to welcome his bride. They become one. And over and over again, there are pictures in the scripture where we are compared in our relationship with Jesus Christ as a marriage. There's, there's, if you want verses, let me know, but I, I believe I'm talking to a crowd that understands that. But I, I, I want and I desire... As part of his bride, I I, I want to be able to approach him, to approach Jesus in such a way that he smiles. That God can call me friend. And what I don't want to do is put down anyone, any group. What I want to do is lift up Jesus Christ and His church. And I want to lift up the big church. You know what I mean by that. Anyone who knows Jesus Christ is part of the church. Amen. I said amen. Yeah. Okay, you have to understand that. But I'm also here to speak directly to our church. And if you are listening by way of podcast all over the world. Listen, you, I'm talking about your local church. 
And if you're not involved in a local church, get in a local church that's preaching this Bible. Amen. Became fine, fine one, moved to Kettering, Ohio. We'll welcome you. Amen. So what I want to do over the next few weeks, if that's okay with you, is I want to just have some family meetings. So, hey, family, how you doing? I just want to have some family meetings. I just want to have some real talk about the church. If you're a speaker or a preacher or even a teacher, the hardest thing about preaching or unpacking a series of one topic, it is the first message and the last message. Because the first message is going to set the stage, and if, 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 if you lose them or, or folks aren't on, on board, it, it, it's so difficult. The last message, you want to really tie a big red bow around everything you said for six weeks. So I want today to be an introduction, if you will, and we're going to only ask one question and we're not going to ask it yet. Before we ask it, I want you to pull out your worship guide. As we have this family meeting, you need to understand that I have wept over this. I've wept over this church, and I've wept over the church. I'm not saying that to sound more spiritual than anyone in the room because I ain't. What I'm trying to get you to understand is I'm not here wagging a finger at you. I'm here standing in front of you as a broken man with a burden for the church of Jesus Christ. And it's okay if you don't want to help me preach this today because some are going to be on board and I might get an amen or two and if I, if I really ring your bell, uh, you, you might shout. Uh, others are going to be frustrated and some of y'all going to send me some emails because you're mad about what I say and you're going to correct me because you think I'm putting too much emphasis on the local church. You need to hear me. It is the local church that will make the difference in a community. We need to come. We need to be prepared to go out and meet the world. Can you, can, you, can you worship outside the walls of the church? My God, I hope this ain't the only time you worship. I hope when you go wherever it is you go and where you work and however you do life and whomever you do life with, I hope that you understand that you are representing Jesus, the Christ, the King. But you're also representing the big church that he died for. But furthermore, you're representing Living Water Dayton. We'll go another level down. You're also representing your family. Now, now, Now see, somebody has got to say what's wrong. And I wish God would have chose someone else. But see, what we don't do here is invite an evangelist in to rip up things so he can get in his car and drive away and then Jeff's got to sweep it all up and clean it. That's not how we do it. It's a family meeting. It's a family meeting. We have family issues. Amen. I love you guys. You love me? Thanks. Okay, that's all I need to know. I get a little nervous, I ain't gonna lie. 
I want to set some ground rules for our family meeting. Is that all right? We've we, we got to have some Gotta have some boundaries. We've got to have, you know, this, has to, this, this ain't no free-for-all. I believe God's given me something to say to you. I believe God's given me something to say to the church, and I'm humbled that he would do so. I'm humbled that he would speak to me and give me the opportunity to speak to you. I'm humbled by the fact that he would give me revelation. But I'm burdened by the fact that we're still having conversations about revival. Every time we preach a sermon, sing a song, or speak the word, it loses some of its power. Again, it just becomes part of the trend. Man, it wasn't too many years ago people would drive all over this country because there was a right. revival. I'm not, I'm not saying that there wasn't a revival. I'm not saying that at all. I've been to some. It's the pattern, though. The pattern is when revival comes, Instead of driving 500 miles every week, that spirit should be brought back to your local church. That same passion, that same way that you worshiped, you should bring that back to your local church. I've... I've, I have, I have literally been in churches all over this country, and I, I say that with, humbly. I'm so thankful God has given me that opportunity. And I think it's so funny, in a sad kind of way, how if we're at a convention, or fill in the blank here, Singing is so loud, your ears ring. Preaching can be average at best. And people lose their mind. Shout and run the aisles. You say, Jeff, what, what's happened? We've forgot why Jesus instituted the local church. We have downplayed her relevancy. So we're going to talk about it. I don't think that the church is in disrepair. I believe that what we need is a fresh filling of the spirit of the living God, Amen. number one. Yeah. Number two, I believe we've got we to put a lid on our new age thinking that this is old-fashioned, that we come together. 
My Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. If for no other reason than to encourage each other, especially when you see times about to wrap up. That's in the JSBV. You won't find that in yours said exactly that way. I hope to shine a light on how wonderful the church is. Uh, I hope you know that I love the church. But I'm going to shine a light on some problems too. And then we're going to tell the rest of the story. See, my, my goal is not that living water would think that she's better than any other church. We are not. My goal is also not to make living water feel like that she is the worst. We are not. No, 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 no. Rather, my goal is to draw our attention to what the Bible says about the church and draw us all as a family, as a body, as a unit, to draw us all in close enough that we feel the weight of this and then we will put ourselves in alignment with the creator of the universe because he has called us for a purpose and we need to be focused on that purpose because from what I can see, there's nothing else that really needs to happen before Jesus Christ calls us home. Now, I don't claim to be an expert on the end of times. But I do read the Bible occasionally. And I, 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 I do feel like I do have my finger on the pulse of culture and it is interesting to me that we would be so lackadaisical about the subject. I, I want us to feel the weight of it. I, 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 I am not trying to preach you happy today. I, I'm not trying to preach you sad. I'm trying to get you to feel something. I, I want you to have a revelation. I want you to feel the weight of what Jesus Christ, who hung on the cross and bled and died and rose again and took the beating to end all beatings for you and for me. I want you and I to feel the weight of that so that we will not be ashamed of the church. We will not be trying to be like somebody else or another church. I don't need another book in the mail on how to grow a church. I don't need it. Don't send it. I don't need it. What we need is the fresh revelation of the king on his throne and you and I bowing down before him, letting him know we submit our lives to you. You don't have to submit you, your life or your calling or your being to our culture. No, no, no. We bow to you, Jesus. To you and to you alone. And I want you to understand that I believe there is a place for the church and the church, it needs to understand that whenever that we get a clue and wake up the giant that we are as the body of Christ will scare the junk out of the evil one. I don't think even he is dumb enough. If we would ever operate in unity, I don't even think he'd try. Because listen, he knows he's lost. He knows he's lost. He knows he's lost. I want you to feel the weight of it. 
Are you in 2 Corinthians? Go to chapter 11, will you please? I'm so glad to be here today. There's no better place I'd rather be. I promise. You got chapter 11? Let's read one. Uh, Let's read one through six. I think it might be in your worship guide. You got to say amen. Amen. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness, Paul says. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. We're going to start over. I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Paul says, because what he's getting ready to say makes him sound like a fool in the day that this was written, and it makes me sound like a fool that I'm going to preach the same passage. I hope you put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband. Who is that husband? Say it. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow you, your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. I promise you, as a pure bride to one husband, his name is Jesus. You cannot be married to Jesus and anything else. You cannot be married to Jesus and your pet sin. I cannot be married to Jesus with a pure heart and a clear conscience and find something that has a higher priority than Him and His house. I cannot do it. I know it's not very regular or common. It actually sounds odd for a preacher that doesn't exist under the burden of legalism to preach a message like this. I'm free from legalism, but I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to fall in love again with the church of Jesus Christ, and we would run to this place to come together so that we can be equipped and prepared to go out and win the world for Jesus Christ. I want to present you. Jeff Burke wants to present you. Living Water, are you here still? I want to present you as a pure bride to your husband, Jesus. That phrase, man. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. I believe that today, as much as I love the church, I believe she suffers from a lack of self-awareness. 
I believe today that she suffers from a lack of commitment. I believe today that she suffers from a lack of consideration for God's word. From cover to cover. I believe that the church today suffers from a lack of a desire to pursue holiness and the purpose of why God has put us here in the first place. I make no excuses for my passion for the church. I make no excuses for my passion for his word. I make no excuses for my passion to see my friends, my family, Pursue holiness. And by the way, I know that the common thread is holiness is the length of a skirt or the length of some hair. I was riding through the green one day. I wish to God I'd have known who said it. But it was packed. And Trey and I were meeting up on, at, at the green on our motorcycles, and I'm just driving down the main. I wasn't, I wasn't going fast, as most of, most of you usually correct me and help Miss Kim raise me. Uh, I was just riding along, and someone from the crowd screamed, Hey, I thought you were a preacher's. Preachers don't ride motorcycles. Cool. Sorry, Jeff, Jim, sorry. You guys, I wish you were saved. <laughs> I, I stopped, put my kickstand down, and just kind of stood by my bike, hoping that somebody would, would have the guts to actually come and have a conversation with me. Never happened. I make no apologies about it, but I'm tired of us trying to tell God what holiness is and what holiness isn't. It is, it is spelled out pretty daggone clear in this book, and so I'm going to go by it. Amen. I believe that, listen, I call the church of living water and the church of Jesus Christ to awaken from her slumber and recognize the value that you have and the purpose for which you are here. If that doesn't come alive in you today, this will be a one-week series. Because if that doesn't come alive in you today, I've wasted my time and God's. I do not plan to inform you of man's idea of church Rather, I plan and I trust God that he has given me the words that will lead you and I into a deeper understanding of why this is important. This is serving Jesus is priority one. And this is a piece of that big puzzle called Christianity and called living a life of faith. This is one piece of that. But we have disregarded it for so long and downplayed it for so long and called the church judgmental and called the church this and the church that. And I suggest she is. But it doesn't change what Jesus said. So label me anything you want. I'm okay with it. 
But daggone it, you better leave the church of Jesus Christ alone. You and I have been called to participate, participate fully, all in, in the body of Christ. I pray this series will encourage you to do that. I have only one point today. It's one question. You see it in your worship guide. Number one, here's the question we're going to answer. Why do we need the church? Why do we need the church? Why do we need the church? Or maybe a better question is, is the church even necessary? Is the local assembly even necessary? <laughs> Why do we need the church? Are you in 2 Corinthians 11? Do me a favor, please, and go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Is the church necessary? In 1 Timothy 3, Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a young pastor of a local church. Amen. Amen. And he was talking to him about the local church that he was placed over. Paul, being the apostle who planted churches, then would place people over the churches. Are you following me? They were pastors. And chapter 3 begins by talking about church leadership, and we're going to get to that in a couple weeks if this spark catches flame. But once he talks about leadership, he goes on and he says something very interesting. And in 1 Timothy 3, if you'll drop down please with me to verse 14, I just want to read 14 and 15 and take the rest of my time in these two verses. Our Bible says, I am writing these things to you now. Now, you're going to have to read verse 1 through 13 to know what he wrote now. But I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. This was so important to Paul that if he were to be delayed, he wanted to make sure what he was getting ready to say got there. That Timothy was able to hold it in his hand and read the words of Paul. Paul understood that everybody wasn't his friend. So he knew there was potential for him to be delayed. There was potential for the Spirit to send him on the other side of the continent. So he says... Even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. Literally translated in other translations, New King James Version, King James Version, it says the house of God. You say, what's the house of God? This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. 
The house of God is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Right? So you know how people will conduct themselves in the house of God. Because this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. This verse stuck to me like glue. I, I wrestled with it. I, I, I prayed over it. I prayed for wisdom and revelation and illumination. And Paul was teaching Timothy the ins and outs of leading a church. That's what Paul was doing here. Paul was teaching Timothy how to be a pastor and how, to, how leaders should behave and other things are in this book, of course. But, but he was teaching him how to lead a church, but equally as important, he was teaching how the church should cooperate and operate. Verse 15 says, so you will know. That tells me that even Timothy needed to know. I want you to know today that I don't stand up here. It just happens to be a stage. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see me. Some of you are like, that ain't all bad. You're probably right. But Paul knew that even Timothy had to understand this. And I'm here to tell you as your pastor, man, I am part of this body. And I need to know this. I need to operate in this just like you need to operate in this. I'm not speaking down to you or being condescending to you. I'm saying we, we, me, you, we have got to learn how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. I love that he started with Timothy. I love that. As the church, we got to be very conscious about the fact that this is God's house. I'm going to say it again, because some of you are still reading, I guess. Look up here at me. The church needs to become more conscious of the reality that this is God's house. He is here. He is here. Jesus is here. This makes church more attractive and more exciting to me than anything else. I'm happy that we, uh, we got a banging band. I'm happy that we're all friends on some level. But more importantly to me, is that we understand that God's here. God's here. God's here. Well, I don't feel Him. It's not God's fault. Well, I ain't, I ain't seeing signs and wonders. Our God's fault. I, I, I don't see this, hear that, 
not God's fault. God is here. I just want you to take a moment and connect with the reality that God is here. There's not a devil or a demon bad enough to keep him from being here. There's not a sinner that sins enough to keep God from being here. There's not an addiction strong enough that keeps God from being here. I couldn't care less about what you did last night. What I care about is the fact that God is here. And if I may, the ball's in our court. God is here. Father, we worship you. Oh God, you are high and lifted up in this place. We exalt your name. You are here. We don't invite you to your own house. You invited us. You're here. You're here. And you're here to do something that is beyond what I can do. You're here to do something that is beyond what my friends can do. Forgive us for what we've made it. And help us. As we move forward. Understanding. You. Are. Here. Jeff, ain't he everywhere? Yeah. One of those big church words that no one ever uses in a sentence, so I don't use them because I, just, I don't speak that way. So, But he is everywhere. He is present everywhere. Well, well then, what's, then what's the deal? He lost me because... You keep making a big deal about God being here. Yeah, he's here and he's there and he's here and he's there and he's down the road and he's across the globe. The difference is we're all here too. And we won't all be here in the same number with the same faces like this again. You're like, I plan to be here next week. Yeah, maybe you do. But God is here now. And the difference between God being here and everywhere is He has invited us into His house to have communion and fellowship with me and you. That we may talk to Him. That He may talk to us. That we can come into His presence. 
And like Isaiah said, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. You want to know how pure you are? Have a conscience reality check that God is here. And His glory, the Bible says, fills the temple. And then the angels corrected Isaiah and said, His glory covers the earth. But, where did it begin? In the place God was. In the house of God. Why is that such a big deal? God, in his house, he can call it his house because he's the architect of the house. The church is God's house because he is the builder of God's house. God can call this his house because he provided for her. He feeds his household. God can call the church his house when he is honored and revered there. He has the ability to move about and to make change in people's lives. Are you still with me today? Go back to verse 15. Look at it. Pull this line out of it. This is the church of the living God. Now, do you think that Paul was just saying that that church that Timothy was pastoring was the church of the living God? No. But he was speaking to the local body. He was speaking to a church that had been started in that town and that community in that village in that place. And he said, this is the church of the living God. The living God. The living, my God. The living God. God is alive today. Can someone at least acknowledge that that's good news in this house today? God is alive through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit that He sent to this earth to fill you and to fill me so that we can operate in His house. Then we can go out. Then we can go out. Come on. Then we can go out. You can't forsake this place. It's God's house. It's God's house. It is the church of the living God. See, in the ancient Greek language, church was a non-religious word for just people that were called together For a purpose. They were like-minded. The living God has called his people, you and I, to be at 4445 Wilmington Pike. We have a purpose of being here. Do you understand that? We are the church. We are a group of people called together, meeting in God's house on his turf. And we just can't pretend like that's not priority one. This is his house. house it's the church of the living God he said you have a, a, awesome if, if you could just tell me what my purpose is I'll, I'll get on board 
okay. How many want to know what the purpose of the church is? How many want to know? How many want to know what the purpose of the ch- a local body is? How many want to know? Look at verse 15. This is the church of the living God. I'm going to take a nice, refreshing, cold drink here while you read your purpose aloud. This is the church of the living God. About 40% of you thought that was awesome. Let me stand over here, maybe. While I take a cool, refreshing drink from this nectar of heaven... Understand this. This is the church of the living God. That's why it's important. Amen. That's the purpose. The purpose is because it is the house of God is the pillar and the foundation of truth. Amen. Truth. Let me tell you something that God showed me very clearly. And I'm telling you, it brought me to my knees. It doesn't matter what I was doing and who I was thinking about or praying about when God showed me this. But hear me. The church of Jesus Christ has replaced Grace with an overabundance of love. I'm going to say it again. The church of Jesus Christ has replaced grace and truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ with an overflowing of love. Stay with me. Okay, so Jeff, now I'm confused. So we're not supposed to love people? You know I didn't say that. Love God, love people. Everything else hinges on that. But you, listen, listen, the, the world feeds the homeless. The unchurched clothes the naked. What's the difference? The difference is the house of God is the pillar and the foundation of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ who lived and died for you and for me. And on the third day, He rose again. And the stone was rolled away. And He rose up and He walked out of there. Why? Because it was up to me and you to be the pillars of the foundation of the truth. God help me. Doggone it. I hate you, devil. Tragically, we sell ourselves short. We sell ourselves short. Thus, in turn, selling God short. We. We can have our pillars weakened. We can have our foundation cracked. If we're not lifting up the truth. One, one thing that drives me bananas is a lack of balance. 
I said what I said because God said it to me. We have, the church, has forsaken gospel, grace, and mercy, and we've replaced it with just more love. Did you know that those go together? We are to speak the in. We are to speak the in. But see, what happens is we first, listen, and listen, our faith system, Christianity, those who follow Christ, it's a relational thing. It's a relational thing. It's a relational thing. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's personal, but it's not private. So we need to have relationships. But I don't have, I don't have to be someone's best friend to speak the truth in love. In fact, we have forgotten that God has given us maybe one more chance. I don't know how many. Fear is not a motivator for me. So I'm not going to try to scare you into giving a care about it. But here's the reality. God's given us an opportunity to share the truth in love. He didn't call us to be best friends with everyone. And we have replaced gospel and the grace and the mercy of the creator of the universe, the living God, we've replaced it with, you know, we just need to love them more. We just need to love them more and love and love. And we got to love here and love there and love over here and love over there and just keep loving. I hope you never stop loving. I hope you love so much that it just pours out of you like, like water. But if in that process... You don't come out of the chute speaking the truth. You've done nothing. What good is it to become friends and watch them go to hell? What good is it to stand and pick at an abortion clinic and then when that child grows up and gets old enough, they don't get the gospel of Jesus Christ? What have we saved? We've saved nothing. We've saved nothing. And we've replaced the house of God with the feelings of love. God help us. God help us. I love. He says the church is the pillar of the truth. He says that because by the ministry of living out God's purpose, the truth is spread. The truth is preserved. The truth will live on and on and on and on and on. The truth will live on and on and on and on and on because the church is the pillar of the truth. Historical writers would acknowledge that a, Paul would not recognize a church except where God's truth is exalted and plain. Even some that he started. 
have we done? What have we done? We've given people a false sense of security. And I'm here out of love to pull the rug out from under that false doctrine and get our eyes focused on the reality that God is here. And this is the greatest moment of your life because you may never get another one. I also love that he calls it the foundation. It isn't that the church is the foundation for the truth. The church is the foundation that holds up the truth. We don't worship a group of people or a pastor. The, the, the church isn't the truth. The church isn't the truth. The church is to uphold the truth. Huge difference. That's why I, I, I get a little antsy and I get a little short. Keep that joke you got in your head to yourself. I, 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 I get impatient. I get mad when all of these denominations begin to draw these lines. I ain't worshiping your daggone domination, the nomination. I'll let that be known right now. Forget about it. It's not happening. I don't worship that. It isn't there is this particular group and they're the only ones that God has blessed. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. How many people have been sent to hell over six inches of hair? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Don't worship this church. And for the love of Mike, don't worship me. I will fall. I will disappoint you before you get home. He never calls me back. Rob, uh, you want to get Rob mad? Start complaining that Jeff don't get back with you. <laughs> Rob will sit you down and tell you what Jeff's days look like. Now, it's my desire to get back to you. But my calling ain't to get back to you. My calling and your calling is to lift up the Did I tell you God's here? Okay, I just want to I wish I I get all over the place. We hold up the truth. See, see, see. Oh, here, furthermore, in the time this was written, pillars on a building is where those who make decisions would tack up how it was going to be. <laughs> Can the unchurched, the overchurched, the underchurched, the no church, the yes church, whatever? 
Can they look at you as a pillar, as part of the church, and say, okay, I'll follow him or her as she follows Christ. Because pinned upon the house of God and the pillars are the truth. We are not the pillars and foundation of anything except the truth. I'll just... Jesus said, I am the way... Listen, it is our responsibility as the church, the purpose that you and I have of coming together is so that you and I can lift up the truth. His name is Jesus. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. I'm not okay with empty seats. There should be butts in these seats. Not because I make more money. I don't. I, it's because we need to understand that we know people that are going to hell without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you've burnt your bridge with them, but I ain't. So get them here and get them under the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, it takes 15 minutes to get there. Fine, whatever. Then get them somewhere that preaches the gospel. I'm not okay with this. Why? Because we're the church. We're the house of God. Do you see it? We're the pillar and foundation of the truth. The highest expression of the will of God is that you and I would lift up Jesus. That is the highest expression of being on point in your purpose for being a Christ follower. You lift up Jesus because he's the truth. And I'm not okay with how we have morphed into something that is not what Jesus said it should be. Church, want to present you as a pure bride to your one husband, Christ. Some of the church, some of us, we can't get people to where God is because we badmouth his bride so much. Why would they want to be a part of that? Let me tell you something. If I introduce you to Miss Kim and you don't know her and I introduce you to her, I, I, don't, I don't care if you like her, 
but you try to badmouth her, and there's going to be problems. That's not a threat. You don't make threats when you're this size. I'm making you a Sunday school promise. You badmouth Kim, we have an issue. And we have torn the church down and wonder why nobody wants to hear the truth. Because they can't dissect what's the truth and what's you running your face. What's the preachers running down other preachers? What? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But you know what? If we were lifting up the truth, if we were the pillars and foundation of the truth, <laughs> we, I would have to send the staff out and some men and women to find us a church that's going to hold the people who just got saved that we got to be open seven days a week so we can disciple everybody that got saved because we lifted up Jesus. And if we lift him up, then people come. They don't come to see me. They don't come to hear me. They sure don't come to, to see and hear you. And I don't mean that condescending. I mean, it, it, you may never talk to them is what I mean. They may never hear from you. But if we lift up Jesus, we can't keep them away. Why? Because this is the house of God. The local church is Necessary. The church is not just one more good institution. She is the most vital of all institutions because it is the church that Jesus. And I'll stand on a hillside and I'll scream it till my throat bleeds. We've got to get back to the truth. And stop playing religious games. God doesn't take attendance. Don't come here because it's Sunday. Come here because God's here. Let me close with this. Are you in First Timothy still? Go to Genesis. <clears throat> go, go, just go left. When you get to the table of contents, go right. I'm trying to help you out all I can. <clears throat> or buy tabs. Well, first you've got to find a Christian bookstore. <clears throat> By the way, while, while you're turning there, <clears throat> a bookstore can't be saved. Can't we call it a bookstore? Uh, people worship the, the outroar of the church when one shut down locally. When were you weeping when the church down the road shuttered doors? Because they went broke and belly up. We're so upside down. Genesis chapter 28. Drop down to verse 10, if you would, please. It always helps when the preacher gets there, too. Genesis 28, starting with verse 10. This is 
Jacob and his dream. And I close here. Genesis 28, beginning in verse 10. If you got it, say amen. amen. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone, rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. Your version might say ladder, exact same word. They found he, he dreamed of a ladder that reached from earth into heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and going down the stairway, the ladder. Going in heaven and then back down from heaven. Going up into heaven, back down to earth. Up into heaven, back down into earth. Are you seeing it yet? Thy will be done, not mine. I want to pray that heaven comes to earth. It happened. It was in his vision. I dreamed that the ladder was a stairway going up and down. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your daddy Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Verse 15, what's more? I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I promised. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. What an awesome place this is! Exclamation point. It is none other than what? The house of God. The house of God. The very gateway to heaven. So Jacob said, that was a cool dream. Oh, man, I can't wait to see what I dream about tonight. Next morning, Jacob got up early. He took the stone he rested his head against. He set it upright as a memorial pillar. I said it was a pillar. You're not, you're not. It was a pillar. We've heard that word. Have we heard that word? It was a pillar. Then he poured olive oil all over it. The Holy Ghost. Are you with me still? Verse 19. He named that place Bethel, which means, say it, house of God. And the reason we've got so many doubters is because we haven't had a Bethel experience. We've been to church. But has angels come hither and thither, up and down, up and down, bringing that what's in heaven down to earth, up and down, up and down, surely, surely the Lord is here. I got to call this place the house of God. Because he's here. <laughs> See, Bethel, the house of God is a place 
when the Holy Spirit draws people together and together they will see and experience the things of God. Bethel, the house of God, is a place where those who do not know Jesus will come to know him through salvation. The house of God, Bethel, it's a place where worship is offered up to God with pure hands and a clean heart. Bethel, the house of God, is a place where people who refuse to have divulged in the world to satisfy the flesh. most powerful and greatest organism alive is the church. And whoever scorns the local church scorns the body of Christ. You reject the local church, you reject the body of Christ. Deny the purpose of the local church, you've denied the body of Christ. Even though it's not popular, I declare that the church should not be taken lightly for she is powerful. So powerful, in fact, that Jesus, our husbandman, said, the gates of hell shall not. Yes. So powerful, in fact, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. <laughs> Is the church necessary? Yeah. Why? This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's why we meet. That's why she's necessary. That's why... It's not about membership. Some of you have came here and you say, I, I want to join the church. You, you joined it when you walked in the door. I've been asked before and Rod's been asked before. Chancey's been asked before. Uh, John O's been asked before. Hey, will you write and send for my letter from the other church? I don't give a, I couldn't care about the, whatever they're holding in their files for you. And FYI, you're still on probably more rolls than you think. Because it regulates. I know of which I speak. Because it's not membership, it's ownership. God is here. If I'm just a member and something breaks, I go tell Rob. I go, I go tell JJ, hey, 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 John, man, hey, by the way, man, the door don't shut all the way. If I'm a member, I go tell somebody. If I'm an owner, I fix it. This is the house of God. Let's stop playing like it's not. Let's stop making it something else. Now, this is the end of family meeting number one. Do you understand where I stand when it comes to this house? If you have any question following this day at 12.08, you weren't listening. 
first, got to be a part of the church. And if you're here today and you're not, I've told you what Jesus did. And I don't think you're rejecting Jesus as much as you're rejecting what you've seen out of the church. And I want to, and I'm sincere about, I apologize. I stand in the gap for everyone that has given an image to the church that is not from Jesus. I am so sorry that you saw what you saw, that you were abused by spiritual authority. I am so sorry about that. And I mean that. But that's not God's fault. Amen. See, I'm, I'm inviting you now to be a part of the church. And I hope you stay in this church. Surely, the Lord is here. With every head up and every eye open, if you're here and you say, Jeff, I need to have my relationship with Jesus on point. The distance grows every day. Hey, if that's you, I lift up Jesus on your behalf. And I ask you, just slip up your hand. Jeff, I need Jesus. I need a relationship. And we're, we're going to pray publicly. You know, God did, Jesus wasn't walking around in, in stealth mode. But see, it's another thing we've made the church. I don't want nobody to know what to see. If you're lost, for the love of God, if your house was on fire, you wouldn't be like, hey, guys, sneak out the back because I don't want nobody to know my house is on fire. No, I'm going to jump out the window and pray to God that somebody's down there to catch me. And then I'll have to run back in and get Kim. Then I'll have to run back in and get the dog. Jeff, I need Jesus. Everybody head up. Everybody looking. Jeff, I need Jesus. That's you, raise your hand. Let's pray together. Anybody? Five seconds. Who in the room would say, Jeff, I need to fall in love with his church? God bless you and you. I need to fall in love with his church. God is here. Thank you, dear. God is here. God is here. I don't begrudge having to come to church. My God, I, I want to get here because God is here. Oh, ain't, ain't he out there? We've talked about this. I, I, together, the synergy that we have together brings heaven to earth. Do you understand? Do you understand? Those who have ears, let them hear. I love the church. I love this church. And who would say, I got to fall in love with that which Jesus died for all over again. I'm lacking in the love department, man. I get ticked off at individuals and I lump everybody in one big thing. That's not right. Stop it. Stop it. Ask for forgiveness today. If that's you, let's pray. Father, forgive me. For how lightly I have taken this amazing opportunity. 
to come and have a church family that cares about me, that prays for me, and where we collectively can be the pillars and foundation that uphold Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Savior of the world. Forgive me that I would get lazy and apathetic and religious. And God, today, <laughs> like the prodigal son, I come back to your house. I come back to your love. I come back to your arms. You waited and you chased me down. I am home. Thank you for forgiving me. May I love others like you love the church. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Can you give God a shout of praise? You still love me? Thank you for your time and attention. Don't forget today, man, be a gospel fest if you can be there.